0: Welcome to the Get Over Yourself podcast. This is author and athlete Brad Kearns, discovering ways to be healthy, fit and happy in hectic high stress modern life. So let's slow down and take a deep breath, take a cold plunge and expertly balance that competitive intensity with an appreciation of the journey. That's the theme of the show. Here we go.
1: People are often exposed to these messages which is that fasting is really important. Carbs cause diabetes. Protein causes cancer. And actually, the the protein causes cancer group are slowly rolling back on that, which I'm, I guess I'm not surprised by. Like, you talk to an athlete, they're like, "What's what's breakfast?" So, like, I have half an avocado and a couple of eggs. And I'm just like, "That's not breakfast. Like, six eggs minimum. Eat the whole avocado. Like, come on." Or you know, somebody's making making their smoothie. They put in half a banana. Put the whole banana in the smoothie. Like, come on. You know, the plant-based guys are definitely onto something. If you're eating very low fat and it's real food, you know, mainly vegetables and beans and things like that, and and potatoes and maybe some rice, and then, you know, the keto guys are, you know, are slowly losing the plot as I talk about this, but, you know, there's no fat in the diet for you to store, and you're also not getting these large insulin spikes because you're eating normal, unprocessed carbohydrates.
0: Let us give thanks to the show sponsors, These are great products and services. Check them out. It's so difficult to make the cut. AlmostHeaven.com for beautiful compact home-use sauna kits. AncestralSupplements.com for grass-fed organ meats in a capsule. Easy. DNAFit.com genetic testing delivering comprehensive diet and exercise recommendations wildidea.com grass-fed sustainable buffalo beyond organic and the primal blueprint online multimedia mastery courses i'm your host learn more at the links on my homepage, page bradkearns.com i also have a new button called shopping with brad for other cool stuff at bradkearns.com and here we go with the show Hi, Brad Kearns. Happy to introduce show number two with Dr. Tommy Wood. Go back and listen to the first one. And if you don't feel like it, listen to this one. How about that? Should I pretend this was two different days that we uh, got together and podcasted? I don't know. What happened was we got on a roll, man, and we were going for a long time. So I decided to break it into two shows. We had a nice break. And so I faked the exit and the intro to the next show after the fact. I think you're going to enjoy how seamless the transition is. Hey, man, that's the world of podcasting. We're just trying to. Trying to make it right for you. Anyway, in this show, he talks about how gut dysfunction is such a bad deal and a common deal for athletes and the additional stress and risk of gut dysfunction that happens when you're carbohydrate-dependent because you're compelled to slam down all these calories while you're training, which is not a good time, or in and around training. Your digestive system takes a lot of beating, especially when you're doing impact stuff like running. Uh, We also talk about my successful experiment of increasing my caloric intake of healthy nutritious calories, such as the Super Nutrition Morning Green Smoothie, so go look for that on YouTube. I'll show you all the powders and cool stuff I put in there, as well as the Nutritious Greens, a concentrated dose of energy and nutrition to start my day, kind of pairing that with a typical routine of fasting and eating in a ketogenic pattern. So mixing and matching for me seems to be working really well well. And Tommy talks about uh, the effectiveness of perhaps targeting your carbohydrate intake around your athletic efforts, around your high calorie burning efforts, if you're the athletic type, and continuing on those types of discussion patterns about the various matters of the day and the uh, controversies and the conflict out there. He's kind of getting us settled and talking in a reasonable, practical manner of what works and what's BS. And he has no problem calling out nonsense and giving us reasonable insights to keep us calibrated. Uh, One of the things he talked about was um, the, the... Often touted benefits of autophagy, that's the natural cellular detoxification process that occurs when you're not overfeeding yourself constantly all day long for your entire life, but you in fact engage in fasting or depleting workouts and making that uh, important point that you can access these autophagy benefits from both fasting, And from doing uh, hard workouts. So be careful when you're pairing those two together because you want to make sure you don't have a rebound effect whereby you do a hard workout, you fast, and then 24 to 36 hours later, you kind of feel an energy lull because your body has ways of compensating. And I'm telling you this in the intro because this happened to me. We covered it a little bit in the show, but I want to emphasize the importance of listening and having an open mind and not being afraid of nutritious carbs and nothing to go against your ketogenic efforts because the benefits there are profound, but doing it in a healthy, sensible manner and making necessary adjustments for your athletic peak performance goals. We end this show with a beautiful top five tips for living healthy, where Tommy offers some great color commentary on. Number one, sleeping. Number two, moving more. Number three, reducing stress. Number four, socializing. And number five, eating real food. And the show moves pretty quickly. Sometimes some science is dropped in. So if it gets a little complex at times, uh, listen to my recording where I deconstruct both Tommy shows and just add additional insights and explanations so that you can maximize your appreciation of this wealth of knowledge, this guy on the cutting edge of science, but also having that beautiful observation to live a healthy, balanced, simple life. Dr. Tommy Wood in the Seattle, Washington area, enjoy show number two. So you mentioned that if you're good at burning fat, fat and keto adapted, we call it, you can replenish glycogen without even eating a big carbohydrate meal. This is kind of what came out of the faster study. Exactly. And how did they do that? How did that happen?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And um, I've had a bit of email discussion with uh, Steve Finney about this, this too uh, at one point. And there's, there's probably three different ways that it happens. Um, the first one is those guys generate a lot more lactate than uh, carbohydrate-based uh, or carbohydrate-dominant athletes uh, during exercise, so that lactate will get converted back to glucose in the liver via the Cori cycle, and then that can go back as glycogen. Um, you can also get uh, you can convert glycerol from the breakdown of uh, fats in you know that can be converted into glucose that could go back as glycogen, and then also acetone has a route uh, back through you know rather than you know acetone is the ketone body that we think that we breathe out. There's also a route back to a uh, gly- uh, uh, glucose production from acetone. And it's not that much. It might be like 5 to 10%, but it's probably going to contribute too. So there are actually multiple ways uh, that the keto-adapted athlete can uh, can make glucose and, and store it as glycogen, which is what the FAST study showed, uh, without taking in any glucose.
0: Now, is it true that we don't need this completely maxed-out glycogen tank if we're good at burning fat and we have an a optimal diet where we're not... Reliant upon dietary carbohydrates as our main source of energy.
1: So the the answer is we we don't know. There's because there's been no study that has actually shown a performance benefit of a ketogenic diet or a low carb diet. You know, in in the long term. So the faster study didn't show a performance benefit. They just looked at you know how you know the the metabolic underpinnings of what was happening in those guys. there have been some recent studies on cyclists that looked at, I think it was a 10-week ketogenic diet um, in, in pretty high-level cyclists. And you know, some guys, when they did a time trial, some guys, their performance got worse. A couple of guys, their performance stayed about the same. One guy, his like his VO2 max went up. So it's really, really um, it seems to be really, really individual how you'll how you'll respond to that. So whether, um, whether if you're you know truly keto adapted and a calorie Replete, you know, when when you when you go low carb and you're doing a huge volume of exercise, we certainly see that it's it's very common for people to undereat. They're just not getting in enough calories because mm. you're less hungry. Plus, you're doing all this exercise, which may make you less hungry, and then you just don't eat enough. Um, so, in that state, it's certainly it's potentially possible that you'll perform just as well. But equally, if we look at the body of research, that seems to suggest that having you know. You know, filling the glycogen stores for an, for a long endurance race seems to be uh, produce a, a benefit in terms of exercise, but again, in, in terms of performance, but again, that's just in those guys who are already eating a high carb high carbohydrate diet. So, right, you know, that's, that's the long a, way for me to say I don't know. Yeah, I
0: mean, <laughs> there, there's a, a book full of studies. Yeah, uh, lore of running has many of those references that, that Tim Noakes uh, theatrically tore out yeah. because now things are uh, referencing differently. But I'm I'm curious too, like if you're walking around and you're 7 pounds lighter because you went keto yeah. is a lot of that just uh, less glycogen storage
1: because you're not deathly reliant upon it all the time. Well, uh, up to a certain point and you know you often say like that the early um, the early weight that you might lose on, on a low carb ketogenic diet is associated with reduction in glycogen stores which comes with a lot of water. Um, however, again, if you go back to the faster study, those guys didn't have less, less glycogen in their muscle tissue. Um, they had just as much and they replenished it just as fast after exercise via all those pathways we, we just talked about. So there's, you know, the, if you're, if you're losing weight long-term on keto is, is probably, uh, Improved metabolic health, you know, reduced calorie intake, all that kind of stuff. Increased protein intake again can be very beneficial. Mm. Um, so yes, there can. I think there'll be some short-term glycogen loss, but then there seems to be an adaptation that then allows that to come back. Particularly if you're an athlete, because you know you're going to need it. Is certainly part of an important part of performance. Uh, this is heading me to
0: my wonderful experiment that I started at your behest uh, in September of 2017. So it's almost a year now. Uh-huh where we're looking at my profile. And again, this is an individual discussion of what's best for me. But I reported that uh, you know, well into keto, uh, enjoying my fasting periods where I feel productive, focused, uh, stable mood, energy, cognitive function, and waiting until 12 or 1 to eat my first meal and then going on and never really experiencing these hunger spikes that we're so used to uh, enduring throughout our life. Uh, But then I have these athletic goals. I'm an old guy doing crazy shit still (laughs) and trying to recover uh, at the 50 plus category. And you made this speculation that maybe I should try to consume a higher number of nutritious calories Mm -hmm. to fuel my efforts rather than sort of be uh, uh, you know obsessed with how calorically efficient can I become? How little food do I need because my appetite is so regulated with keto? And so I said, okay, I'll try it. And I started getting into that morning green smoothie which is now a viral youtube video not really but if you go watch it and tell everybody and, and i'm putting viral. putting all this stuff in there <laughs> all the greens so i'm getting a good dose of greens and macronutrient balance so i'm getting the fat sources like mct oil and coconut milk base not just a big sugar thing you know mm-hmm. very little fruit but uh drinking this thing in the morning as a complete turnaround from this longer period of fasting um, so, how do we reconcile some of these messages that we're being bombed with, such as fasting's great? The more fasting you, the longer, the shorter eating window, the better you get autophagy that's the cell detoxification repair uh, versus someone who maybe wants to feel better, perform
1: better, uh, maybe in a different category of uh, metabolic function? Yeah, the, there's, there's so many important things in there. I think fasting certainly. Uh, a useful tool to have in the toolbox as part of a, a longevity strategy. Um, however, I, I think it is worth pointing out that what happens in most of the guys that, that, or many of the guys that we work with, and you would certainly be an example of that, is that the combination of, of low carb, um, lower calorie, and and you know people are often exposed to these messages, which is that fasting is really important, carbs cause diabetes, protein causes cancer. Um, and actually the, the protein causes cancer group are slowly rolling back on that, which I'm, I guess I'm not surprised by. Um, but if you combine all of that with um, with like a high level of, of, of exercise, you've got low caloric intake plus high caloric output. And at some point, you know, that really is liquidating your assets. You're asking your body to do something that it's it's not designed to do, and then you're not giving it the things that it needs to, to recover from it. So when when we talk to people about this, uh, we basically tell them that they should, you know, particularly if they have a performance goal and they don't and there's no issues with body composition, we tell them they should be eating as much as possible without gaining weight. And be and because there's there's this. This, this, did
0: um, you say ice cream, Tommy? I did. So it, it, I, you, you make these quips about, I, you've said it like a couple of times <laughs> yeah. in our past conversations, maybe on the podcast. Yeah. Ice cream, ice cream. And then here we are in Seattle and I go to Frankie and Joe's vegan ice cream the other night. And there's ice cream everywhere. These super healthy, natural ice creams. It's like incredible. So I had to interrupt you there. Yeah. The ice cream, ice cream's allowed in certain circumstances yeah. and parameters.
1: So I, I did actually, um, I did actually say ice cream in my talk at AHS too. Oh, he um, likes that. He was an ice cream guy. Have <laughs> yeah. you been to that place, Frankie and Joe's with the vegan ice cream? No, I haven't been to Frankie and Joe's. There are some other great places in, uh, uh, Molly Moon's is, is, oh, uh, yeah. is a staple in, yeah. in Seattle, which is, which is great. Um and Salt and Straw was a, right, was, right. a was a a Portland based ice cream place, which now has has a There's couple of stores here. in Seattle. Yeah, um, Go, so this this show is sponsored by
0: <laughs> Frankie and Joe Salt and Straw, and our our payment is free ice cream for Brad and Tommy.
1: Yeah, please. Uh, we'll need to let them know. We talked about them. Um, so yes, uh, I think sometimes, and you know, ice cream isn't the perfect example because it's very it's not nutrient dense, it's very easy to overeat. You know, all that kind of stuff is the, the perfect combination of carbohydrate and fat, which is, you know, is going to, you know, promote, sto- you know, sto- storage as fat. Um, if, you know, you don't introduce it at the right time, but just sometimes um, you need to get a lot of calories in and you need to eat, sometimes you need to eat calorie dense foods. And you also need to accept that, um, you know, maybe your performance is more important in the short term and what your performance requires is calorie dense foods that, but perhaps are not optimal for health. But if you're prioritizing performance, you're probably prioritizing performance at, at the absence of, of health. At least, <laughs> at, at least you know there's, there's there's a balance that's that's happening there. And you know, at, at some you just need to realize that if you're doing this kind of uh, exercise you, you, or this volume of training, you're going to need to fuel it. And sometimes you just need to eat calorie dense foods to do that. There are obviously better you know, better and worse ways to do that. But, you know, sometimes a scoop of ice cream certainly isn't, isn't, a, isn't a bad thing to do. Um, but you know if we go back to what you were talking about, yeah. You know, so say autophagy, you know, people are like, oh, we need to have fast for long periods for, for autophagy. Actually, the best way to activate autophagy, particularly in the muscle, is to do endurance exercise. Okay. So you can, um, there's, there's a really interesting study where they had guys uh, fast overnight. I think it was 16 hours. They looked at uh, autoph- levels of autophagy in the muscles, and there was no autophagy happening whatsoever after 16 hours of fasting. But then they got on to ride a bike for an hour, and you know all the autophagy pathways are upregulated. So if you're an endurance athlete um, and you're doing regular aerobic exercise, you're already activating those pathways. So you know I think you know periods, like I said, there's definitely some benefit to periods of carb restriction. You know some fasted workouts, you know all that stuff is great. But equally, um, there's um, a big potential um, a detriment that can happen if you're trying to combine fasting with high volumes of exercise because you're just going to end up in a caloric deficit, which is going to, you know, great. You might have a lot more autophagy going on, but you'll have a lot less testosterone going on and you'll have a lot less thyroid hormone and all this other stuff. So, you know, again, it's going to be a balance of what's really going be beneficial in the long term.
0: Well, you mentioned this total energy expenditure with the Hadza, and I mm-hmm. thought that was a mind-blowing insight that they're finding these super active hunter-gatherer dudes are not burning more calories than the average uh, modern person. Yeah. And so we, we come up against this maximum, uh, and if we're doing these crazy workouts today, uh, we compensate by burning less energy at rest. And um, they, they call it the compensation theory of exercise, where you're going to make adjustments by eating more and being more lazy because you did your 5 a.m. spinning class. Yeah. And wh- I mean, it was a mind-blower to me because I realized what happened with me, I believe, was I was doing the keto thing. I didn't count my calories, but it was probably lower than my historical average, especially compared to… Uh, eating that high carbohydrate diet in years past, but I was getting by on fewer calories and still trying to go hit the workouts and doing doing fairly well in the workouts. I wasn't complaining like I was off the back and and unable to finish my high jump session. But then as a consequence, I think I was experiencing less energy at rest because I was compensating for the energy that I summoned to do the workout and then not stuff my face afterward with (laughs) Frankie and Joe's uh, Molly Moon and, and and the other one, yeah, or even some healthy food.
1: Awesome, too. awesome healthy foods, which we which we definitely definitely encourage. And you know the the nature of the smoothie you mentioned. You know, uh, p- people might have uh, issues with uh, raw green vegetables, or you know whatever you can you can put whatever you want in that. You know, to, to make it like a nutrient dense whole foods um, uh, sort of calorie rich smoothie. That's that's what we use with with, with a lot of people, and. I want to tell you about
0: WildHealth.com. They're an online provider of comprehensive precision medicine and health consultation services. They offer DNA analysis, custom lab panels, extensive medical intake form with family history and lifestyle preferences, and regular online visits with a board-certified precision medicine physician and a health coach whom you can message anytime through their convenient app. Wild Health evaluates your data to determine what you need for nutrition, exercise, sleep, and supplements, and you can experiment, consult, and retest to get everything dialed in. You'll get a cutting-edge epigenetic test of DNA methylation to calculate your all-important biological age and have fun lowering your age over time instead of following the mainstream path to accelerated aging. It's time to strive for awesome instead of just normal. Wild Health is generously extending BRAD podcast listeners twenty percent off the cost of membership. Just visit wildhealth.com/brad or use the code BRAD20 at checkout to get twenty percent off and start taking control of your health today at wildhealth.com/brad. I'm so excited to introduce you to Paluva. This is a new Please visit paluva.com, that's P-E-L-U-V-A, and use the code BRADPODCAST and get 10% off your first pair. Paluvas, let your feet be feet. What kind of issues are you going to get with the raw green vegetables? Yeah. I'm wondering if some of the... I, yeah. I get a little
1: bloated sometimes
0: after drinking this thing.
1: Yeah, I, I think particularly if, if you're somebody who, who has a tendency towards gut issues, there may be um, some fibers and things in there that, that might uh, be preferentially metabolized by the, the gut microbiota, which can then then end up with some bloating and gas. And you know some people have some issues with, say, oxalates, which, which are uh, present in uh, nuts and in green leafy vegetables. So if you have a lot of those in your smoothies, and again, it's not common but it it can happen so it's just worth bearing in mind that sometimes if if you if you put a lot of this stuff in you don't feel great you know it's worth maybe adjusting adjusting the adjusting the recipe there Um, but yeah there's um the the thing you mentioned in terms of the adaptation yeah what what we start with doing is um reducing so so if we increase our activity in terms of exercise we reduce the amount you we reduce our energy expenditure elsewhere so it's like more time sitting down, less time fidgeting. Just all this kind of movement that we do the rest of the time just gets essentially turned off to, to save uh, energy. And then I'm pretty. Then there's this other bit which which hasn't been well studied, but I, I'm certain that it happens where you start to then reduce the energy that's going towards other processes so it can be repairing the gut or you know hormonal Oof. signaling or all this stuff so you 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 keep on turning down all these other things in order to pay for the exercise that you're doing because you're not providing the calories to, to then to fuel it and i know there's been you know similarly there's been this big thing in terms of uh, fuel efficiency you know you go keto i'm much more efficient with my calories i'm I'm still yet to be convinced that that's a good thing because there's, there's plenty of research uh, uh, from animals and then also some uh, from humans that suggests that those who have higher metabolic rates for their, um, for their uh, given size, for their body weight, may actually live longer. So if we're thinking about I need to be really efficient, I need to you know, have low uh, energy expenditure, or I need fewer calories to do what I'm doing – in, in terms of the research that's out there, or at least it, it's enough for me to say, I'm not sure that's a good thing. Uh-huh. So, you know...
0: Tommy, don't mess
1: around. You, you, <laughs> you, you, you shoot straight. I like that. I mean, if there's something to call out and say, wait a second,
0: because some of this stuff is now getting... Integrated into the new, exciting, evolved conventional wisdom, yeah, and it's not going; it's it's passing without a second thought because yeah. what we had before was bullshit. That you're supposed to live on carbs—that's nonsense. Now go keto, and it's the solution to everything. Uh, but the 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 juxtaposition there is interesting, and I know there's research saying that an athletic person burns fewer
1: calories at rest than a sedentary person. Is that so? So the yeah, well, so you so you have so you have to do that in order to create the that compensatory mechanism that, that we talked about, and it's what what they particularly show is that it's the it's the other activity that that people do, the non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So again, it's all that it's all that stuff that you do that you don't really think of as exercise, um, all, all the movements and fidgeting and that kind of stuff. So that gets that gets um, turned down in order to pay for the exercise. Um, however. Um, I, I think, and this is partly a hypothesis on my point or on my part, just because I don't think anybody's really looked at uh, really, you know, and done these same studies in really high volume athletes who are calorie restricted. Um, but that's a lot of the guys that we see and, and what, serious. What, yeah. And, and what's what, a common problem. It's a common, it common gone for, for yeah, us for, for nurse. balance Yeah. Drive. And we, yeah. we have a very specific population, but it is people who, have come from some of the you know the low carb or keto space or the paleo uh, or primal space, and they're still trying to do these modern sports and train two or three hours a day um, whilst eating a much less calorie dense diet, and at, at some point those those things just don't match up, and particularly if there's phobia about certain macronutrients, and at the moment there seems to be phobia about all macronutrients depending on where where you go. So the so at, this, at the further end of the scale, so the basal metabolic rate is supposed to stay the same regardless of your fat. You know, you know, just in linearly with your fat, uh, fat-free mass. So the amount of muscle tissue and and, all, and your organs and things like that. Um, and so the more of that you have, the more your basal metabolic rate. But um, I think that's going to start to come down as you then ask the body to do more. And we, you know, we see that the the thyroid hormone comes down, which is basically your thermostat. So you can see the body saying. You're asking me to output so much energy during my exercise that I'm just going to have to turn down the thermostat because I can't keep everything else going at the same rate. So, this isn't. You know, we don't have a lot of great papers discussing this, but that's certainly what we see see in the in the in the biochemistry when we when we test the athletes. Um,
0: you you guys mentioned that to me. You or Chris, uh, looking at my thyroid on the low normal range, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, you do a lot of exercise in your keto. That's that's routinely seen. Yeah, which is um, things to, uh, to to rethink maybe. So I don't know. Something happened on September first, two thousand seventeen. I started hitting the calories hard, and so you know the, the green smoothie opened the door to uh, more frequent popcorn binges in the evening. <laughs> and uh, of course, making you make that critical distinction. Like we're talking about increasing your intake of nutritious calories, mm-hmm. not eating more calories. And that's why I choose the finest ice cream stores in Seattle. Some of these ingredients, man, it was, you know, it's like ground up cashew nuts cause it's vegan yeah, yeah. and it, it looked pretty clean and they're throwing in kale was one of the flavors. And oh, I right. had, um, I had salty caramel ash. And so it was dark black. Look on my Instagram. You'll see a picture of it. Um, but it was dark black because it had activated charcoal in oh, the okay. ice cream. Yeah. So maybe if it was bad, it's cleaning me out, I guess, at the same time. <laughs> but I started to notice, um, Better, better recovery after the workouts. I'm not going to say better performance because I hate when athletes say that like, really, dude? You took three pills beforehand or you took 20 grams of carbs 20 minutes before your workout and you had better performance. Give me a break. But I noticed I would bounce back from these sprint workouts with less soreness mm-hmm. and being able to go again later. And believe me, I'm patient and I'm not pushing it. So I was just making this observation like, I guess my body is liking more nutritious calories to the extent that I'm not going to be looking at myself adding body fat and continuing down some crazy path. Of course, that didn't happen. It seems it would be hard to happen anyway.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's certainly possible if, if the, uh, if you really
0: listen hard and go, Dr. (laughs) Dr. Tommy Wood said to eat four servings of this. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, Well, to, uh, that I could eat all this ice cream and it would make me go faster. Yeah, um, so I it, scared the dog <laughs> with that that high voice. So
0: excuse me, that's, uh, Bowen.
1: Uh, uh, it's so. I mean, it's certainly possible to 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 do it do it the wrong way. But um, in general, if you if you approach it, so you, I mean, you keep uh, the diet at, at least fairly. You know, fairly uh, similar. And you know, most of the most of the guys we work with are actually eating really well. Like you look at their diet. Like, this is great. There's just not enough of it. You just like. They just need you to eat more like you talk to an athlete they're like what's what's breakfast so, like, I have half an av- have half an avocado and a couple of eggs and I'm just like that's not breakfast like six eggs minimum, eat the whole avocado like come on or you know somebody's making making their smoothie they put in half a banana, put the whole banana in the smoothie like come on um, you know especially when you know these people need three four five six thousand calories a day you know that banana is is the the it's very unlikely to be um, detrimental, and you know it's very likely that you just need those carbohydrates and you, you need those calories. Do we have a way of adjusting our uh,
0: thermogenesis or what have you to maintain a stable body composition, even if we double our calories? To make an extreme example, I'm talking about the athletic person who is making that effort and having these nutritious meals and then going and performing, maybe they're doing their workouts and their leg is fidgeting more at work and they're more generally active.
1: Yeah. Um, So, so there's, there's there's two parts to that. There's when you, when there are people who want, who, who want to lose uh, body fat, but they're already exercising a lot and they're they're turning down, that extra activity. You can kind of force it if you if you need to, right? And it's not something we we recommend, but you can do it. Like you can make yourself walk a lot more and sort mm. of keep it up if, if you need to kind of if you need to kind of adjust that. That's again, it's it's rare for us, I and mean, it's not something we recommend. So but if, if you think about say you double your calories, there's a lot of evidence this, um that shows that you will dramatically increase thermogenesis um for a number of reasons. So the thermogenesis based on a meal increases with the number of calories in it. So Mm. the more that you eat, the more thermogenesis goes on. Um, And this was kind of, you remember they used to say that you should eat like six small meals a day because that will like keep your metabolism going. That's nonsense because if you ate those six meals as one meal, you just get six times as much thermogenesis from that one meal and it all evens out. So um, even, even, is there any time of day
0: consideration there where we also eat,
1: we also hear don't eat before bed because you'll
0: store that as fat?
1: Yeah, the, I don't really, that's, it's kind of, there, there are eating before bed because you'll store it as fat. I, it's not something I really worry about. Um, there's certainly gonna be some b- benefit, again, you know, restricting the, the window too much on either side for somebody who has a high calorie demand, you know, it, it can be detrimental. However, most of the metabolic processes associated with uh, digesting food and processing nutrients, you seem to be better at it earlier in the day. So you're more, insulin, you're more insulin sensitive in the morning. Uh, you're more uh, yeah. You're more responsive to carbohydrates in the morning. If you eat uh, earlier in the day, then you have you lower uh, glucose spikes to carbohydrates later in the day. So mm. when you have a you know a single large meal at night, say that's probably the worst time to to do things because your your body isn't really primed to do it. Uh, if your melatonin started to go up, that interferes uh, with insulin signaling. So you're going to have much you're going to have much higher glucose spikes. So the longer you wait in the day to eat, um, usually you know sort of the worst metabolic responses you get to food, and it's it's uh, exacerbated in people who already have metabolic disease, so people with type two diabetes and people. So they've done studies where people with type two diabetes they're either, either given carbohydrates in the morning or in the evening. They get a much better blood sugar response if they eat it in the morning rather than the evening. So I would I would prefer people to eat more of their calories earlier in the day if they, if they can. Um, a giant six meal, six small meals in one.
0: Six, <laughs> yeah. six eggs and a whole avocado for starters.
1: Yeah, six eggs and a whole avocado is just a is just a small breakfast. Um, but so so we do um, we we do increase uh, thermogenesis in response to the amount of food that we eat. But there are some really great studies looking at uh, say particularly carbohydrates. If you if somebody is on a pure carbohydrate diet or you know the vast majority of the calories come from carbohydrate. You will keep on basically increasing metabolism to try and burn that off until you have to, until you're eating like thousands of calories extra of carbohydrates a day. And then you might start to get some de novo lipogenesis and store it as fat. The, 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 the issue with carbohydrates and insulin and, and, and and fat storage and obesity is the fact that the, the carbohydrates, the insulin make you store the fat that's in your food. So if you ate a super, super low fat diet, it's actually really hard to turn those carbohydrates into fat and again in the keto low carb space that is like all those carbs get stored as fat and it, it's just not true if you're eating a pure carb like pure carbohydrate diet you have to eat thousands of extra calories a day to start to get significant fat storage so and and because the, the body tries to compensate you just like see an increase in metabolic rate as it just tries to burn that stuff off so that's you know you will again that's ho- that whole part of the buffer it's part of the adaptation you can eat a lot more calories than you think And you will, you know, first you'll start to use them for beneficial processes like uh, repairing things that you weren't repairing before or, you know, your body's saying, okay, I can I can have normal hormonal function now because I'm not calorie deprived anymore. Uh, And then you'll start to increase metabolism. So things like uh, tracking, uh, tracking uh, basal temperature, tracking your temperature in the morning, you can just start to see that increase over time. And we definitely have guys. Um, and it's not so sort of like a one-off measurement doesn't necessarily tell you anything. It's kind of like heart rate variability. You kind of need to track trends over time. But you can certainly start to see that increase over time as hormonal function improves, thyroid function improves, just because they're eating more food. So really, it's the uh, joining of fat and carbs.
0: In terms of people concerned with adding excess body fat, which is almost everyone, and especially as the years go by, yeah, it's the it's the it's the joint ingestion of
1: carbs and fat that's really getting to us. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So when, when people worry about, you know, the, so there's, there's two sides of the obesity debate. There's the the, the calorie side there's, and then there's the carbohydrate insulin hypothesis side. And they're kind of both right to an extent, like neither is a hundred percent right and neither is a hundred percent wrong. But if you look at the body fat of people, the body fat composition is almost the same as the dietary fat composition. So, it's just the fat that you're eating is what's going on your ass, but it's all the like the large insulin spikes of the other stuff you're consuming with the fat that's preferentially making that be stored. So, and and again, like the total calorie balance and all this other stuff is, is is important too. But it's not just the carbs that are making you fat. It's the it's the fat in the diet that's getting stored, and then it's just the nature of the carbohydrates you're eating with it, particularly if they're refined and there's a large glucose spike, there's a large insulin spike, and then. It's causing storage, but it's not causing storage of those carbs. It's it's preferentially causing storage of the fat that you eat.
0: Trip out on that, man. That's crazy. So could there be a strategy where you're going to eat your carbs at a certain time of day away from a fat that you're going to eat at another time of day? Like a fatty breakfast, and then you can enjoy your sweet potatoes and popcorn at night?
1: Yeah, so uh, that's certainly been. Uh, Thank
0: you, Tom. That's, been, that's <laughs>
1: great news. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Tell me more, Tommy. That, that's been um, that's definitely been done with some success before. So if you think about um, uh, Kiefer's uh, carb backloading carb uh, carb night, where so in carb backloading you'd you'd uh, eat uh, low carb during the day, but it was actually really, like preferentially really high protein, so it was, like vast amounts of protein, and then mm-hmm. your carbohydrates would be at night. However, I would probably switch that the other way around because insulin again insulin sensitivity is better in the morning uh uh, blood glucose responses to a carbohydrate based meal are better earlier in the day so you you're probably going to be better off having your you know if you're going to try and separate those out stack your your carbs in the morning say like carbs and protein at one end and then fat and protein at the other end um however you know when people aren't that metabolically healthy or for what. whatever reason they'll they might get like those slumps after carbohydrates so like it's definitely shades of gray and like when, when we're talking about carbohydrates in a meal for for many athletes and we're talking about adding back carbs i'm talking like for a glycolytic sport and a ra- around uh workouts i'm it's like one gram per pound of body weight for right. an endurance at high volume endurance athlete it might be two to three grams per pound of body weight like it's not huge amounts of carbohydrate right well, that, that's that's a fair amount if well, it's, it's a fair a, amount if you come uh, from the low carb body weight or lean body weight. Uh, so uh, I just go off if, if somebody's, you know, somewhere between tw- 10 and 20 percent body fat, then I just go off total body weight. If if yeah. you're, you know, obese, you know, have a very high BMI, then you, you might you might adjust down based on on body fat levels. Um, but if you think about the amount of carbohydrate that those guys would traditionally be told to take. So you're talking about um, maybe six grams per mm. pound um and i'm saying you know maybe two grams per pound so oh, it's for much, the whole day you're for talking the, about over that. a whole day oh, sure yeah. yeah so not much so it's so we're we're adding back what's a significant amount of carbohydrate if you're a low carb or keto person but it's still not very much compared to like traditional um endurance athletics uh, nutrition uh, but you know that's enough to that's definitely enough to see a benefit
0: uh, especially if you're healthy it's yeah yeah
1: and you're, and you're i mean if you're metabolically healthy you should be able to tolerate all of this you should be able to have a large carbohydrate bolus a large fat bolus a large protein bolus all of that gets metabolized nicely and just goes through so like that's that that's the marker of somebody who has good metabolic health is being able to tolerate these foods
0: so uh, we got to let you go i appreciate so much this great show is fast moving we're gonna have to do <laughs> some googling uh but here at the end why don't you tell me with your clients what is really working what are the big changes that you're getting the most results
1: from so i think that the the most important thing that we've we've figured out is that knowing the answer is often the easy part so and like that i don't mean that in like an arrogant sense i mean it's 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 often going to be something like changing the 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 training program changing the diet you know, maybe there needs to be some supplementation. Maybe there needs to be, you know, we need to do a gut protocol to treat something that's going on there. Maybe maybe they need, maybe they need to go to their doctor and get a medication. You know, it doesn't happen often, but sometimes it happens. So the answer isn't the hard part. It's creating new habits. It's creating behavior changes, getting people to, to do stuff that is going to be beneficial to them in, in the long term. You know, creating uh, these uh A movement habits, say, uh, training habits that are going to be something you can do for decades to come or creating dietary habits that you can do for decades to come rather than just being a quick fix kind of thing. So...
0: I want to tell you about WildHealth.com. They're an online provider of comprehensive precision medicine and health consultation services. They offer DNA analysis, custom lab panels, extensive medical intake form with family history and lifestyle preferences, and regular online visits with a board-certified precision medicine physician and a health coach whom you can message anytime through their convenient app, Wild Health is generously extending BRad podcast listeners 20% off the cost of membership. Just visit wildhealth.com/brad or use the code BRAD20 at checkout to get 20% off and start taking control of your health today at wildhealth.com/brad. and a special 5% discount for B Rad podcast listeners just visit mito red light mito redlight.com and use the code brad on any of their products go for it today and get started on your red light journey
1: you know a lot of the you know everybody we work with now works with our performance psychologist Simon he um if you're a if you're a, a uh, a cycling fan. he's the sports psychologist for Team BMC who are racing the Tour de france as as we're speaking right now. You know, so you know he's a he's a fabulously funny guy, and he's just he's he's brilliant and different from any other psychologist you've ever met. Um, but so so that's really the key is it's working with people to to understand why they're doing what they're doing. Why are you doing the volume exercise you're doing? Why are you eating the way that you're eating? You know, how can you change that? You know, what is it that will allow you to change those things? So I think that's that's where we're seeing the most success. And, you know, so, but it usually means that what I suggest in terms of the person doing, that's that's not the hard part. The hard part is, you know, you know working with them to create these beneficial um, sort of long-term habits. So, so bringing Simon into our program and working with him—that's that's definitely where we've been seeing the best, the best additional success recently.
0: Love that the missing piece to the puzzle, yeah. the the three-legged stool, and it's it's great working backwards from the answer because I think right now, especially with the exchange of information in the world, we most of us know what to do. And you're so great. I think I'm going to finish with your, your list of five things here because uh, this is your, uh, your, your tips for optimum health. And uh-huh. they're, they're so simple. And everyone's going to nod their head. Let's get a little reminder anyway and get that motivation going. But um, it is so simple. And then the complexity comes with our excuses and our patterns and our rationalizations or who knows why but a digital entertainment the, the lure of that because number one on tommy's list is sleep enough mm-hmm. so yeah you can give me some com- color commentary as as we hit these sleep enough so simple why can't we do it
1: yeah that uh, that's a great question it it's um i guess there's two parts you know people set say, people saying Oh, I'm too busy to sleep. I've got stuff to do. I need to get up early and do this thing. And, you know, you know, th- then they're busy at night for, w- for whatever reason. They're working late. They're going to get home and eat and do all this kind of stuff. So th- there's, there's that part of it. And then there's also the – there's all these things that we're doing that are sabotaging our sleep. So, you know, exposure to bright light mm-hmm. at night or um, exercise late at night or, you know, getting stressed about things late at night, still checking work emails um, or – you know, not having a dark enough room to sleep in, or you know, uh, other things like noises that, that are gonna that are gonna keep you awake, and or a room that's too hot to sleep in. So, you know, we're in Seattle. There's no AC. It's kind of hot in the in the in the in the middle of summer in the nights. It's, it's sort of like 80 degrees in the bedroom. So we have like multiple fans kind of blowing just to kind of get it get it cool in there because that's a huge part of sleep is is body temperature coming down. So All these different reasons, both sort of external and internal, uh, really seem to be sabotaging our sleep. But again, they're not that difficult to fix. It just requires you to, you know, sort of focus on it a little bit.
0: Number one, sleep enough. Number two, I I like how you grouped all these together in move more. Mm -hmm. Lift, walk, sprint, jump, climb. So it sounds like we're talking about workouts and general movement together.
1: Yeah, definitely. And when I was trying to, a few years ago, I tried to build this, um, build this kind of thought process for, for how we should structure movement for for longevity. And it was kind of, it was the upside down movement pyramid. So basically, and the reason it was upside down is because you as you add, you started at the top, which is kind of like the fat bit. And as you added layers, obviously it gets more pointed at the bottom and it becomes more unstable. So that's why it was upside down. Um, so, and the first one is just sit less, you know, spend less time sitting. So standing or crouching or whatever so like you know i spend most of my time you know at uh, a standing desk but i'll be in lots of different positions while i work during the day so just sit less and then walk more so like i talked about the Hadza they spend two to three hours a day walking Um, you you might not be able to do that much walking, but regularly just, you know, every hour, a five to 10 minute walk has been shown to have a huge number of benefits in in lots of studies. So just walk more. Um, And then you should lift stuff, like you should go and lift heavy things. And that could be your own body weight. If it's, you know, the the limb of a tree or do some push-ups or squats or, you know, lift some weights in the gym or rocks or it can be literally anything you want to lift it it doesn't matter what the implement is and that's because strength is so important for long-term health and then and then sprints um if you're doing brisk walking then you've gotten some low level aerobic work in there and then you're going to add some short sprints um for that you know that top end that glycolytic work you're going to work the other energy systems again and you also get cardiovascular benefits from sprinting and they can be super easy and they, they don't need to be, you can do them on a bike or whatever implement that you have and they don't need to be sort of put you any risk of any injury or anything like that, you, sure. you, know, you know, anybody can sprint and it's, again, it's all relative to, to, to your current fitness level. And then if you're doing all of that and you have the, the time and the capacity and the space and, and the health to do it, then I add like the chronic cardio, like the long biking and, you know, cycling and swimming and you know running all that kind of stuff. Because once you've done all the other stuff, you know, the additional health benefits from, from that kind of exercise, you know, there is some, absolutely, but, you know, you don't need as much of it. Mm-hmm. So I, that's always, like, if I was structuring something for just for somebody who wanted to be healthy for as long as possible, that's the final piece of the puzzle if you're doing everything else, like eating enough and sleeping enough and, and you're doing your strength training and some sprints and all that kind of stuff. It's often the first piece yeah. instead of the final. yeah. Sleep enough,
0: move more. Number three, reduce stress meditate do yoga
1: nap spend time outdoors yeah and so that's that's again i guess one one in that description which i've done previously i guess i don't expand enough on the fact that stress is subjective so you are exposed to things that can make you stress but you don't have to make them stress so it's (laughs) kind of the um there's a book called the myth of stress that goes over some of that so again it's you know, can you recalibrate how you respond to certain things? And, you know, there's definitely, so I just think about conversations that I have with my wife and one of us will get like really stressed about this something and the other will be like, why is this stressing you out? It's fine. Don't worry about it. So, you know, if if you can start to recalibrate the way that you respond to potential stresses, that's going to be, that's going to be super important, but then equally finding ways to just, um, you know, focus internally and reduce some of those stresses. So meditation is great. Yoga is great. Just being outside, like, but barefoot on the grass, you know, there's just some, some amazing things that, that happen. There's you know, sunlight, you know, it, there's, we haven't mentioned sun, sunshine yet and bright light during the day, which is just super, super important, again, for circadian rhythm. And uh, sun is really important. I mean, people think about vitamin D, but also nitric oxide and, you know, all these other great things that come from being exposed to sunlight. So all of that can, can then help reduce you know, our total stress burden.
0: I think when we're most stressed is when we need these the most and we're least likely to do it. And I've found times in my life where I somehow just had to force myself to get out. It might have been because the dogs need an outing and you don't realize that you need the outing too. You're just like, oh, I better stop working because these dogs are going crazy, chewing up my couch. (laughs) I'm going to (laughs) go take them out. And wow, did I get a, a, a positive benefit from that? Even yeah. even though I'm not thinking because I'm too stressed to think about how I need to balance my
1: day. Yeah, my so the 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 dog or is my favorite health tool. They need you, you need got to, a whole show
0: about that I, on yeah, the podcast, yeah. right? Cuz yeah.
1: um like they need to go outside, when you need to go outside, you know, they they need to you you can eat when they, you know, they have, you know, usually uh, healthy eat, eating patterns and If if you're a good dog owner, they'll eat uh, an ancestrally appropriate diet, which should be meat based. You know, they, they are obligate carnivores in general. Um, And, but, and they love to play. So, I mean, I was on another podcast talking about this recently, you know, like the importance of play in humans and the way that I make sure that I get my play in is that I play, well, we, I wrestle with my dogs. I have two, you know, 70 pound dogs. You can get down on the floor and and wrestle. And it's just one of those things. I don't count it as exercise, but stress reduction, movement, I'm outside, you know, all that kind of stuff comes into play uh, just by just by uh, having a dog. So so, yeah, they can they can do all kinds of great stuff.
0: We definitely got some play in before we hit record.
1: Yeah. When, when Bowen <laughs> saw me at the door, I'm like, "What's up, playa?" I mean,
0: a white boxer is one of the most beautiful animals of all time. Yeah. And they, fuck the
1: AKC if they don't recognize <laughs> they don't recognize the white boxer. That's crazy. I, so people don't people don't have uh, generally have them just because they're not recognized <laughs> by the American oh. Kennel Club, which is just which is crazy. I mean,
0: you know why though? No. It's because they would win Westminster
1: every year. <laughs> it would be
0: unfair to all other breeds. It would be like, best in show once yeah. again is the white boxer. Yeah. Who can
1: compete? <laughs> they, go, they go to crafts and wipe the floor with everybody. Yeah, That's
0: right. Uh, okay, number four. Socialize with an S. Love it. Put down the iPhone. Have fun with friends and family. Have sex. As you say, have sex. I uh, <laughs> think this very funny. Okay.
1: Number four. Um, yeah, I, I think we've kind of covered a lot of that, both from, you know, there's the, the, we cycle. talked
0: about the n- different positions. Oh so yeah. We, we covered yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, yeah. Off,
1: uh, Brad took some photos, he'll, 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 they'll be in the show notes. Um, just in terms of the, the mental health aspects and then also the physiology, you know, socializing, uh, human contact, touching other people, hugging people, having sex. Like it's just this so many amazing things that come and we can like make it scientific. You know, there's the studies that exist. I could talk about the studies that do that, but just in reality, we we know how much better we feel when somebody gives us a hug. We know how much better we feel usually after we've had, you know, had sex or some kind of contact or interaction with another human who, who we love. So that stuff is just in, in, you know, incredibly important. And it's one of those things. It's often the missing piece um, when somebody has their diet dialed in and their exercise dialed in and their supplement stack dialed in and all that kind of stuff, um, you know, the, the, that's, that's the, that's the missing piece, which is often the case. And that, actually I'm just going to quickly go back. I, I forgot to mention something in the, in the, in the stress thing. Um, the way you approach your work is super important. And we may have talked, you know, I've, I've had a, somebody on our podcast, a friend of mine called James Hewitt, who talks about, Uh, the cognitive middle gear, which is basically constantly task switching, like uh, email to Mm. Facebook, uh, to doing this other thing at work, to doing this other thing. Um, And it's essentially the same as that gray zone of training around lactate threshold that we talked about, which is like super tough on the gut. It's super tough to recover from. But actually the training benefit is also minimal. But that's where, you know, the the cognitive effects are also, uh, the cognitive load, you can think about it the same. So like there's the, the high cognitive load, which is, like your sprint training, which you want to do in short bursts. And that's like super focused on one task. You get that task done and then it's done. Uh, whereas like the low cognitive load stuff, which is kind of like your aerobic math training. And that's when you're kind of, you know, sitting around, kind of letting stuff marinate, kind of, you know, you're going to be maximally creative, you know, stuff, you know, ideas are going to come to you just sort of like, you know, out for, out out for, out for a walk, just kind of thinking. We don't spend very much time doing that. We need to spend more time doing that. But then we spend all our time in that cognitive middle gear, just constantly switching between tasks never having stuff you know finished on time constantly worrying about all these things you're having to do multiple tabs open on the computer all this kind of stuff going on at the same time that's how we work nowadays and that's the kind of that's where we get where we are the least productive but it's the is the most mentally taxing just like you know that that really hard threshold training so restructuring the way you work is a big part of the the stress piece. So I didn't mention that. So I wanted to, Oh gosh, you're you're hurting my
0: feelings, man. That was huge. (laughs) I mean, I, I, I find myself in that, in that crappy middle gear. Yeah. And I, I, I do think it's more stressful and more exhausting to go back and forth. Yeah. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna set a commitment right now. What about you guys, listeners? Let's do this. I mean, forget that cognitive middle gear and shut the email off. Work on your peak performance task for the day, and then go back into multitasking mode. Oh my God, a br-
1: brilliant insight. Love it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, number five is eat real food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, and I mean it's as simple as that. I think um, there, there's so much infighting in all the different spheres of, of people trying to improve the way the way we eat you know we have the, the plant-based guys we have the paleo guys we have the low-carb and keto guys you know who argue you know then the you're talking about the amount of carbs versus fat versus protein and you know how all of that is going to make a big difference to our health and in reality i think that the, the benefits of one is, is is really minor compared to just not eating processed foods like most of the like detrimental effects of um, the Western diet come from food processing. So that can be the carbohydrates and large insulin spikes. It's the, the, um, the vegetable oils. Like I never saw an oily vegetable. Like what on earth <laughs> do you have to do to get, a veg- to get oil out of that? You just think about the, the processing, about those fats that we're not normally exposed to and you know a huge number of negative benefits uh, or, or negative effects associated with that. So once we take out food that required processing to get to where it is, and it's just like real food, 90 plus percent of the benefit is going to come from that. And so we talked about, you know, if you go um, really low fat, you know, the plant-based guys are definitely onto something. You you just are if you're eating um, very low fat and it's real food, you know, mainly, um, you, know, you know, mainly vegetables and beans and things like that, and, you know, the... You know, and maybe the you know, and, and potatoes and maybe some rice and then you know the keto guys are you know are slowly losing the plot as i talk about this but you know you you're not you, there's no fat in the diet for you to store and you're also not getting these large insulin spikes because you're eating normal un, unprocessed carbohydrates so when those guys see health benefits and they see weight loss you know it makes perfect sense like so you can do that Um, by going you can do it by going keto and low carb and that's Mm -hmm. great and we do that a lot but you can also go the other way and we've done that too and yeah there's there's a risk of certain nutrient deficiencies if you go plant-based and that's which are easy to come if you add back either small amounts of certain animal foods or supplements um so you can kind of go you can go either way but the most important thing is just eating real food And if you take that processed stuff out of the diet you know most of the benefits are going to come from that
0: Dr. Tommy Wood killing it. What a great finish. We could just settle down a little bit, quit fighting, lower our cortisol. Thanks for <laughs> yeah. spending the time. Great show. Hope to get with you again. We got, we got more to talk about. We're just opening the can of worms here, but go to nourishbalancethrive.com and take that free uh, quiz and see what they're all about. I think you get a pretty good exposure to what you guys are doing there. Yeah, Great absolutely. service. Thanks right. for being here. Thank you. This is Brad. I want to tell you about my life changing acquisition of a personal home use sauna. I have a 6x6 six six barrel sauna in my backyard, ready made heat therapy, a fabulous unit from almost heaven. Check out their website. You can very affordably order your own sauna for installation in your backyard or garage and have a sauna experience, the fabulous health benefits accruing from exposure to hot temperatures. Get that sweat going. These are beautiful traditional dry barrel saunas where you splash the water on the rocks, go in there and relax. It's become a social centerpiece. At my home, people traveling from far and wide to come check out the barrel sauna, turn the dial, or set the timer and walk in to 200 degrees in the Caribbean seas. For some reason, people like to come to the sauna more than my cold tub. Go figure. Check out almostheaven.com and their beautiful natural wood designs, and pretty soon, surprisingly affordable, you will be in the home sauna business. Let's talk about ancestral supplements. If you're into ancestral health, primal paleo keto, you know the importance of consuming these unique agents contained in bone marrow, in the nose to tail organ meats, liver, kidney, all that stuff, the great bone broth benefits. Well, how's it going? For me, since years ago when Dr. Kate Shanahan asserted the importance of these wonderful nutritional benefits that you can't get elsewhere, eh, Not too good. I don't know how to cook a liver or a kidney, but now your problems are solved forever when you go to ancestralsupplements.com, a wonderful company filled with people who are living the dream, walking their talk, and bottling up the purest, cleanest sources of grass fed organ meats, kidney, liver, bone marrow, all in these wonderful capsules. I dump them in my smoothie every day. I'm healthy. I don't have to worry. It's an incredible dietary boost. And this is so different from swallowing a bunch of those synthetic vitamins and those giant bottles from the big box stores. Highly questionable health practice. This stuff is the real deal. Grass-fed organ meats, pure as can be. Ancestralsupplements.com.